Go ahead and pull your Bible out and uh, turn to the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. And if you've been around here for a while, you, some of you are probably thinking, are we ever going to stop talking about Ephesians? And the answer is probably no, um, but uh, we've been in it and out of it and in it and out of it and in your disciple journey this, uh, uh, journey this week, you know, a number of you are doing that. We've been in Ephesians, you know, constantly, and uh, we're going to... Uh, look at that in a few moments here, okay? And so, uh, welcome. It's good to be together, isn't it? Good. It's warm inside. I know it's cold outside yet, but uh, it's good to gather uh, together. And uh, we're kind of, uh, we just finished up a series on uh, Genesis. And um, the next three weeks today and the next two weeks leading up to Easter, we're going to uh, do a, a new series. Um, and, uh, and so, uh, and, and again, just as we're approaching uh, Resurrection Sunday, as we're approaching that day when Jesus, we celebrate that Jesus, uh, he didn't stay dead, he rose uh, from the grave. And uh, that's what makes our faith and what, what makes the God of the Bible different than any other religion or any other faith. No other faith has their Savior dying and rising from the dead. And you go check out all the religions of the world, there's not another one that has that as the message, as foundational. Because God's unique. It's the truth. It's the truth. And and so here's a a question, and again, you know, this is always a challenge of Sunday morning, you know, every and anybody is ever welcome to, to, to come in on Sunday morning. And so you have a whole eclectic group of people. Some of you, maybe you, you've never shown up at church for, for years, or maybe you've never been in a church, or maybe you've gone to church all your life, or you know, maybe you know Christ, maybe you don't know Christ. Maybe you, there's all kinds of reasons. So the challenge of a Sunday morning is that we're all, we, we all come, we're in different places. And so uh, the this, this series this morning, or, or that, that we're going to talk about, um, is for all of us, and hopefully I can re- relate that as we're going um, but I'm a human being, so I might miss it. And uh, if I miss it, I'm just kind of, this is the, uh, you know, to say, hey, let's, let's continue to talk about it, and, and let's go from there. So I want to speak to those of you who know Christ as Savior this morning, okay? Or at least start out here. And so my question is, uh, whose responsibility is it to talk about Christ, to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Whose responsibility is that? Oh man, you guys are you guys are nailing it. Absolutely. That is true. That is it's both, okay? And someone said the pastor, but I would broaden it to say it's the the church has a responsibility. That's what we're to be a light and to be proclaiming the truth, to be opening up the scriptures on a regular basis. Okay, and so the church does have a responsibility, but who is the church? We are, as believers in Jesus Christ. And so that responsibility uh, falls on us. And so um, I have a visual that we're going to use the next couple weeks here. And uh, this is, you all know, it's an aquarium, and some of you are probably saying it's a dirty aquarium, and that's Okay. Um, But we're going to let this, over the next couple weeks, represent the community that we live in, okay? And so I'll say Jefferson County. We probably all live in Jefferson County, unless you're a visitor or something. But just let this represent Brookville and Jefferson County. 
where we live, okay, so in a sense, we all should be inside this. Not really, but you get the point, okay? We all live within this. So we're going to let this represent over the next couple weeks the community uh, that, that we live in. And, uh, and, and we're going to use this, I think, to help us get a picture for how are we doing as a church. What does the, the other 167 hours during the week, how is our walk with God look? What, how are we putting it into practice, Okay. And so uh, that's why I didn't clean it up, because our community isn't all cleaned up and sparkly, okay? So, so you'll, you'll get that in a minute. So, um, so I want to go back to uh, in, in earlier, in or late January, um, and I kind of shared this with you, I heard about an organization called Marketplace Chaplain, um, and basically they... they uh, um, they get hired by companies to come in and, and care for their employees, okay? Because every company has people that have life issues going on. There's spiritual things going on. There's life stuff that are, you know, and, and, so, um, and so after I heard about it, um, uh, started the process to apply. And so I, I'm, you know, put a resume together and, and you know, to do this part-time. And some of you are like, wow, he, he's leaving the church. No, I'm not leaving the church. This is kind of a, a, a very part-time job um, here in the community in addition to what uh, we're doing as a church. And, um, and so I started filling out the, you know, the online uh, application, you know, and putting all the different, you know, things in there. And, uh, um, and I came to a question, and the question was, how many times have you shared Christ or the good news in the past three months? And if you were watching me, I stopped in my tracks and I stared at that question. And the reason I stared at that question because I started looking and saying, uh, I don't know. And when I looked at that question, I don't count me standing up here and sharing the gospel as an example of one of that. That is, but I think the question is getting at, in your relationships with people, how are you bringing Christ into the conversation? And so then I, I kind of, you know, what do you do when you don't like the question? You go to the next question. So the next question was, how many times have you shared Christ in the past year? And I literally paused, and I looked, and I prayed, and I'm listening, and I'm like, well, I can't lie, but I'm not really sure. And so it made me, for the next few moments, prayerfully examine and say, not just to put, I mean, it was asking for a number, but the number isn't as important as the who's. Where did that happen? What did that look like? And so I share that experience, because that was in, in late January, and over the last few weeks, God has been using that, to, and for me to realize and say, you know what, I'm not there. And so this series that we're going to do the next few weeks, I need more than anyone in this room. Because if I'm to be honest, I, have a, I had a couple answers to put in there, but it's not where I want it to be. It's not where I want it to be. And so let me ask you a question. Do you need this series? And before you answer that question, I'm going to give you the opportunity to 
experience what I experienced. And so if you're here this morning and you're a believer in Christ, this question is for you. If you're not a believer in Christ, you're not there yet, you just sit, relax, enjoy, you know, and you need, you need Christ. That, that's what you need. So that's, that's the starting place. Okay, and so those of you who would say that you're a believer, I want you to, in the, in the pouch in front of you, there should be a pen in there and there should be a little white card that looks like this. Go ahead and, if you're, yep, there's, they're in the behind, so we got you covered. If you're missing one, there, there should be enough for everybody, um, or if you need more, you can grab one. Go ahead, pull out a card, pull out a pen, and I want you to take, I'm just going to be quiet for a minute, I'm going to give you the, and, and you're not going to, we're not going to collect them, you know, so this is, this, is, this, is, this is for you to have a God moment to say, where are you this morning? The same questions that I struggled to answer, I want uh, you to look at. And so those two simple questions. So I'm just going to be quiet for a minute and uh, just give you the, a, a moment to prayerfully... Examine your heart, examine your life. So you can continue to think about that as we talk here this morning. I'm going to take a moment to uh, pray for all of us and ask uh, the Lord to help us as we look into uh, his word. God, we, uh, we thank you that you are for us. We thank you, God, that you are gracious and patient. And God, we thank you that you want us to become more than what Sometimes we're willing to do, or where we're willing to go. And so, Father, I invite you to help us this morning, Zion, to go beyond where we're at in our walk and in our faith with you. God, I pray for maybe there's someone here that doesn't know Christ as Savior, and they're going to hear the gospel. God, maybe today it will make sense. And God, for many of us in here who know you, I pray that you would uh, shake us up. That you would move us beyond our comforts and our routine. For your name and for your glory. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Um, 
as I look at my own, you know, uh, some of you are new. There's some new people, which is great. And so um, I'm married. Uh, my wife is Sarah. I love her with all of my heart. Um, I have four children, uh, Leah and Caleb and Andrew and Ryan, and I love them. And I don't have, I don't struggle talking about them. I don't struggle sharing, you know what, this is what they did. I mean, the good things, you know. I mean, I, I, have, a, I have a thing that I will never use them as a sermon illustration unless I ask them ahead of time, okay? So it's, this is not the place for dad to shame them, okay? But yet, because I love them, I don't struggle talking about them. It's not hard. I have hobbies. I love to hunt. I love to walk out in the woods. I don't struggle talking about that. So why is it when it comes, and, and again, I love Christ, but why is it that talking about him at times is a struggle? It's a struggle. And I think that's what we're looking at this morning. That's the questions we're asking this morning to all of us. I think we all have to ask some hard questions at times. And that's what we're kind of examining our heart. And so if you're here this morning and, you know, and, and I hear this, and again, I've been a pastor for 25 years. I, over, you know, I was a junior high pastor and you know, trained and challenged kids how to, how to share their faith and you know, or ask those questions. You know, a lot of times I hear, well, I don't know how to share. I don't, I don't know how to tell it. I don't know how to do it. And I, my question is, do you know Christ as your Savior? Yes. Then guess what? If you know Christ as your Savior, you know how you got to Him, it may not be pretty, but you sure know how to tell someone else how to find Christ because you know Him, okay? At the same time, I know that, hey, we got to, at times, sharpen our skills, it's like I think every, everyone is, every one of us in this room knows how to floss their teeth, right? Now, did we do it this week? There's a disconnect at time. Again, I'm giving it as an example to see that knowledge of the skills and doing the skills are two different things. And so if we're believers, you know what? We know the gospel. But are we, are we talking about Christ on a regular basis? Are we praying for opportunities? And that's the starting place in this. Prayer, it, it starts with having God's heart. Are we asking God to open up doors? That person that annoys you in your second period class, or that person that annoys you in your workplace, you can't stand them. Have you ever thought for a minute that they, that they need to know Christ? And maybe a starting place is God, help me to see that person the way you do. God, change me, change my heart, change my agitation to see them the way you do. Well, Steve, that, that takes sacrifice and surrender, and whew, that's, that's uncomfortable. It does, it is. But that's exactly what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to, it's exactly what Jesus said. 
Come follow me. That was the challenge that he gave to individuals. Come follow me. And then what did he say next? And I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men. Follow me. Get your eyes on me. And in that process, you're going to get changed. And you're going to have a heart for other people. You're going to have not, not your heart. You're going to have God's heart for other people. And that's what I need. Because there's too many times that I don't have God's heart. I'm annoyed by them. And I don't want to talk to them. No, that's my heart. Okay, God, I need your heart. And so that's, as we think about that, that's where we're going this morning. So, you're, so here's what I would like to do. Over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about, you know, today we're going to talk about the problem. Next week, we're going to talk about the only solution. And then in the third week, we're going to talk about uh, the response, okay? And we're going to look at that from Ephesians chapter uh, 2. And so on our website, you know, and here's again, I, I want to give you a tool. On our website, there's a, there's a two-minute video, and I think this is the best. In two minutes, you can share all the parts that are part of the gospel, the good news, sharing it in a historical um, uh, storyline way, and it should be familiar, like, oh, we just went through Genesis. <laughs> that sounds like what we just talked about. Duh. And that's pretty much it, okay? And so we're going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to show this uh, to you. And again, it's, it's, it's really short. It's two minutes because, um, and, and this is just, I think, for us, a tool to look and say, you know what? Can I, you know, if, if you don't have a way to communicate the gospel, here's a great way to do that. And so go ahead and, and, and listen and watch on the screen. So we live in this world, and it's characterized by brokenness. We don't have to look very hard to see. There are things like disease, disasters, wars. There's a lot of pain in this world, but this is not God's original design. God has a perfect design. And the way that we have gotten ourselves into brokenness is through something that the Bible calls sin. Sin is turning away from God's design and pursuing our own way. And that leads us to brokenness. Brokenness eventually leads us to death. And this death will separate us from God forever. But God doesn't want us to stay in brokenness. So he's made a way out. And that way is Jesus. Jesus comes and he enters into our brokenness. And the death that we deserve for pursuing brokenness, Jesus takes our place and dies on a cross. And his body is broken for us. And three days after he dies, he rose from the dead. And he made a way out of brokenness. And people try many things to get out of brokenness, things like religion, things like success or relationships, education or drugs and alcohol, but none of these things can get us out of brokenness. The only way out is Jesus. And if we turn from our sin and believe that Jesus died for us and rose from the dead, we can leave brokenness and grow in a relationship with God and pursue his design. And more than that, we can go. We can be sent, just like Jesus, back into brokenness to help others come through him to pursue God's design. Now, there's two types of people in the world. There are people that are pursuing God's design, and there's people that are still in brokenness. We have to ask ourselves, where are we? So, where do you think you are? There you go. So, there's a very concise, easy way. And again, I'm kind of sharing that as in, I know it's a lot, 
this week, go on designlife.com. You can watch it. You know, I mean, uh, the junior high kids at camp last year with, um, at uh, uh, kids camp, that's one of the things that we did. We, we took the week to, to put this into practice, to learn how to put words to um, and how you can share that. And, uh, and so, so you have your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to look at uh, these first three verses real quick. Ephesians chapter 2. Let me, uh, let's follow along here. And so again, and Paul's, Paul is, uh, Ephesians is written to the, the church in where? Ephesus. Okay, it's a real church. It's not some Disney World pie in the sky. It was a church, just like here. You know, you're the church of what? Brookville, Zion, okay? And so Paul is writing to this church, and, and he's, he's, again, reminding them of who they are in Christ, reminding them of the good news, reminding them of who we are. And so look what he says here, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passion, passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of man. And so there's a lot in there, and I want to kind of keep it pretty simple today. And so Paul is reminding this church, remember, because the church is people that have put their faith in Christ, and so he's reminding them, do you remember what your life was like before you knew Christ? Do you remember? Do you remember what went through your mind? Do you remember where you spent your time? Do you remember what that was like? And so he is reminding them of that. And this is part of the good news. The good news, we have to talk about sin. If we don't ever talk about sin, then we don't ever get to the cross. The only way to get to the cross is to talk about sin. And so that's what Paul is laying out here. And what is he saying? You know, he starts by saying that, hey, you were, verse 1, and you were dead in your trespasses. Now, doesn't that seem a little funny? Because the word dead here means <coughs> lifeless. I think I shared this before. When I was a junior high youth pastor, I brought a roadkill in one time. Don't do it. I won't do it here. It was a dumb thing. I was young and stupid to illustrate the point of. When he says dead here, that's what he means, corpse, lifeless. And he's speaking to the church. To the church. He's reminding them. Rem he's talking to breathing people, but what, what he's saying is, you were spiritually dead, unable to know and relate with the living God of the universe. Now, yeah, you can do moral things, and you can read your Bible. You can, you can do all kinds of stuff. But spiritually speaking, you're born dead. Dead. And so he goes on and he, he gives, you know, he, he, you were influenced by the world. And again, we could spend weeks on, on a lot of the this, this stuff in here of, 
you know, we follow the course of this world. We, we listen to what the world says, their truth, and, and what they say is important. And, and what do we find out? It doesn't deliver what they say. And so he, he lays those other things out in here. So look at the end of verse 2. He says, but being dead means that you are sons of what? Disobedience. You see, a dead per- uh, someone who is spiritually dead, what do they do? They disobey God. They say things like, you know what? God, I'll give you this, but I, I, I don't. these other parts of my life, I don't stay out. I don't want you in them because you're going to mess it up. Gee, that sounds mean. Okay, we don't say it like that. What we say is, um, we just live without God. That's what we do. And so that's what a son of disobedience is, that every one of us, before we met Christ, we keep doing the wrong thing. And it goes back to our heart. Our heart is, I want what I want. I don't want anybody, including God, telling me what to do. I want to live free, right? Do we hear that anywhere? And so Paul is reminding them here. Then, uh, down in the end, he said, you know, sons of disobedience. Then he says, uh, look, at, look at the tail end of verse 3. Among whom we once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature, what? Children of wrath. Sounds like pretty bad news. Well, guess what? When you're a son or a daughter of disobedience, the result of disobedience is that there is judgment. There is wrath. Because of God's integrity. Because of God's integrity. And so we live in a in a culture and a society that we, we don't want to talk about some of these. These are negative things. These are hard. These are... Do you notice all through the Bible, God doesn't... God talks about the truth because he loves us enough to warn us. He loves the world enough to warn us. And so what is he saying here? He's basically saying rebellion for God, rebellion towards God has to be judged. It has to be. So I want to I go down through a couple passages here, and, I, and again, I, I, I think we, we can, we can um, you know, for me, how did I come to know Christ? I was very young, and I can remember it as plain as day. And the question that I asked my dad, who led me to the Lord, was, Dad, I do not want to go to hell. And I can remember the night. I don't know the date, but I can remember the night. I had a fear of going to hell. And you know what the truth is? Everybody should fear going to hell. You know, have you ever had someone say, and I had this, um, actually the summer I worked at McDonald's, one of the guys said, I'm going to hell, and that's where I want to be because my friends are there. And then, you know what I thought inside? You have no clue. You have no clue what hell is like. If you think hell is going to be a party time, 
She has no clue. So I want to take a couple minutes to read, Jesus was not afraid to talk about hell. In fact, he, ta- he, he, didn't, he didn't dwell on it all the time, and so I think that's where we got to be careful, though. We can't always talk about hell. If that's all we do, that's not good. But if we never talk about hell, that's not good either. Because that's what he's saying here. This is about being sons of disobedience. The truth is, and it's exactly what God said to Adam, in the day of that you eat of this fruit, what's going to happen? You will die. Did, did Adam, did he drop over dead when he ate the fruit? Not yet. But in the moment he ate, he died. Spiritually, he was disconnected from God. And that's what Paul's talking about here. So let's, uh, let, me, let me just, you can just sit there and if you want to close your eyes or you want to, let me just give you a couple passages here where these are Jesus' words. Um, not all of them are his. Uh, most of them are, actually. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 7, verse 22. Here's what he says. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Matthew chapter 25. Verse 30, Jesus is talking here. He says, And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Look over to verse 41 in the same chapter. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Look down in verse 45. Then he will answer them saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to the, one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Turn over to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. Or just listen here. Luke chapter 13, verse 27. I'm in 12. It's harder to find passages when you're all looking at me. But he will say to them, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. Luke chapter 16, and I think this is the most vivid. Jesus tells this story, and uh, most of his stories don't have names in them. And so it appears like this story, you know, it appears like Jesus is pulling back the visible world and giving us a glimpse into the unseen world of what is really going on, even though we can't see it with our eyes. He's giving us a picture here. 
And listen to what happens. Luke chapter 16, starting verse 22. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, which is another word for hell, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in his like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and no one may cross from there to us. And he said, then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Translation, they have the scriptures, okay? That's what he's saying. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. Listen to what Jesus says. He said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Knock, knock, knock. Who is that? Jesus Christ. And what he's basically saying is, you have enough truth to respond to. Are you going to respond to the truth? Are you going to respond to it? Give one last passage here. 2 Peter 2, 4. I'll read it off here. <clears throat> For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. Peter is re reminding us too here. And so the intent here isn't to scare us. It's not to, oh man, that was a horrible service because we, all we did was talk about hell. But it's the, tr the, the truth is rebellion from God results in separation from God forever and ever. These aren't my words. I'm not making this up. This is what God says. My job is to pass on to you what God says. And so I think the question for us, and again, we don't want to walk around and, and, and get people fearful. What we want to be motivated by is love for people and being honest with people and sharing the truth with people, that we love people enough to be honest with them. And they may not like that. That's not our job. Our job is to share the truth. To do that in a compassionate way. To do that in the context of a relationship. We don't just walk around and say, you know, you're going to hell. That's not helpful. Even though it may be true, that's not helpful. We care first. We care enough to be honest and truthful. That's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't just show up and start, you're going to hell. That's not what he did. 
came and he walked with people. He met their needs. He served them. He came alongside. And I think that's for us. And the truth is, every one of you in this room, you are in relationship with people. And I don't know if you view it or not. You view it as God has me in this person's life. God does. And God has you in this person's life or in this family or in this fill in the blank. God has me in this person's life. Remember we talked about that last week? God is sovereign. He has you in their life because he wants to use you to communicate who Christ is because you care and you love them and you're walking with them. And that's what God wants us to do. And the question I'm asking us as a church is, how are we doing with that? How are we doing with that? How am I doing with that? Not, not where I want to be. And so over the last month, I've been on my knees praying and saying, God, help me to be more bold. Help me to be more courageous. Help me to, be, help me to open my mouth and not worry. Help me to be sensitive. All those things. Prayer. This, this starts with, God, help me. And so that's one of the things that we want to put some tangibleness here uh, to that. Of, are, we, are we taking opportunities to maybe not share the whole gospel, but plant truth seeds, parts of the gospel, and doing our part? And again, we can't make anybody receive it, but our job is to plant truth seeds, to share the truth in the midst of a world that is not looking for the truth always. But we're willing to do that. This, this last uh, week, um, one of the neighbors here, I you know, always have to be careful, I don't want to share names, but one of these neighbors here, I was uh, just out, showed up here, talking. In fact, Lisa drove right by. It's very funny. I don't know if you saw it. Keep silent, but it was just funny. I'm sitting here, you know, and I'm mindful, and we're just talking about things. Like, I didn't get out saying, I want to bring Jesus. I just get out and was just talking to this person. And as, as I'm asking questions, we're going back and forth, and I can't even remember how we got there, um, but something came out about this world being broken. Key word. And so inside, I'm praying and saying, okay, how do we get this? And I simply said something like, you know what? Yes, this world is broken, but you know what? That's not the way God did created it to be. I was listening and I was willing to take a step to plant a seed of truth. Now the person, they didn't drop to their knees and say, give me Jesus. I'm not even sure if they got it. Doesn't matter. It's not my part. My job was to plant a truth seed. Church, our job is to plant truth seed to be praying and to be looking and to be letting God open up doors and that we would be willing to take those steps in the process. And so here's kind of the, the tangibleness of, of what we want to do. And, and so when you come in here on Sunday morning or if you come here during the week, you can, uh, you know, we're going to use two things to be a, a tangible um, and we'll talk more about it. And so uh, we're going to, so I'm going to, I'm going to put a rock in the aquarium, 
as a symbol this week of that gospel conversation. Okay, we'll talk more about a rock, why I picked rocks. Um, but, and I got some bigger rocks, I don't know. I don't know if that's a lack of faith. We'll put four of them and they'll fill the whole thing up, or maybe we need to shrink the rocks. I'm not sure. I'm just being honest with you. And so I think this is for all of us, a way for us when we come together, as you come in, to be reminded, okay, who did, who did I talk to this week? And then a, 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 a way to praise and honor the Lord of, you know what? Put another rock in the aquarium to see how we're doing as a church with gospel conversations, with, with Christ conversations, okay? So here's the other piece. Prayer is a key part, too. And so these are just normal, everyday kidney beans. They're just symbolic. And so, just like we need to be talking about Christ with other people, prayer is a, an integral part, too. And so, I want to invite us, when you come in as well, um, you know, as you pray for people. Hey, this week, as you prayed, you know, I prayed for this person. You don't have to say names. The point here is God, to get, get the glory to God of how we're responding to him. And so when you pray for someone, so when you look at the aquarium, you're looking and saying, you know what, look at the conversations and the prayer that is happening just through us that we're willing to be obedient. I'm going to look at one last verse here. And uh, we'll invite the, actually the worship team, you can come up. One of the things that this requires on all of our part is courage. We all know why it's hard to talk about Christ, because when we talk about Jesus, you get a response, right? Positively or negatively, you're going to get a response, I guarantee. You bring up the name of Christ, you're going to get, it will not be passive you will get a response. All right? And so Ephesians 3, verse 12, or 11 and 12, yeah. This was according to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen to this. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. You know what we need? We need boldness. Our boldness is rooted in Christ not in my abilities. It's rooted in Christ. And that we would be confident in Christ. And you may not feel it. In fact, the feelings are going to probably be contrary. They're looking at me like I'm a freak. doesn't matter. I want Christ to be known. It's not about me. It's about Christ. So as we sing these next few songs, I... Um, I think we have a, a great group of songs, you know, here, um, and I want to invite you to, to sing, but I also want to invite you uh, to be praying. And so maybe one of the prayers might be that, hey, you're praying for someone, and so maybe you just need to get out of your seat and come up and grab a bean. You know, that's something that we can do right now. Grab a bean and a prayer, a prayer bean of saying, you know what, maybe it needs to start with ourselves, 
the prayer needs to be a prayer of confession. God, my heart is not where it needs to be. You need to change me. You need to change me. And so let's let God be God. How's that? In this time of desperation, all we know is doubt and fear. There is only one foundation. We believe. We believe. In this broken.
So as we keep singing and we keep worshiping and we keep praising the Lord, feel free to keep coming up front here as you see fit. Uh, we're going to pass our offering bowls as we go through this next song. So, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your sacrifice. Just pray that you just help us to uh, give ourselves fully unto you at this time. Amen.
grace that his love can't reach. There's no place where we can't find peace. There's no you're going through you 